Welcome to the Detecting History Podcast Extras. Sophie, girl that digs, welcome to the um, Extras episode where we talk about all about your perfect detecting day. Uh, so this is always fun. Basically, the gods, the universe is with you. This is going to be your dream day. So you can say what you want and how it's going to be and I'll run through. So on your dream detecting day, what time do you set the alarm for or not as the case may be? Mm. Well, I'm an early bird, so I like to get up nice and early. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm probably going to set the alarm for, I don't know, quarter past six, something like that, half six. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that I'm, is early. I'm up with the, with the lark. And, um, <laughs> yeah, just have a bit of time to, you know, get up, get ready, get my kit together, load up the car, um, and uh, make a bit of a picnic. I always need a picnic. I mean, I know if it's a bad day, if I've eaten my picnic by about, yeah, 11 a.m., then, you know, I'm having a bad day. So it keeps me going, having a, a picnic in the car. So, um, More snacking than digging. Yeah. So, I'm, so I'm up early and uh, raring to go usually. Okay, cool. So you, you, you're up early, you open the curtains. Now, what does the weather look like in terms of your perfect detecting weather? Oh, um, you know, I don't, I actually don't like to detect on a really sunny day. I mean, sunny and mild is nice, but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want it to be too hot. Don't want it to be too rainy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's got to be perfect conditions, doesn't it? So yeah. I actually like it a little bit cloudy. Um, so I'm not getting too hot and bothered digging, you know, all those holes that I end up digging. And um, not too warm, just the right temperature. You know, if I can wear, if I can get away with just a t-shirt, then that's great. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want it hot and sunny and mm, um, hard work. You know, then, don't isn't mind, it? Don't mind a bit of drizzle, but yeah, ideally dry. Yeah, lovely, lovely. And you get up. Do you have any breakfast? Do you like to fuel up before you go out with your picnic, or do you just have a cuppa? <laughs> no, I do. I do like breakfast, um, but I think I'm always really. So this is this is a girl thing, isn't it? But it's really important, I would say, to have a, a low fluid, <laughs> a low fluid <laughs> breakfast. So um, it depends where I'm digging and who I'm digging with. I mean, the, the group that I go um, digging with, they've now got one of these pop up like pop up tents, you know, for the the ladies' loo, Good. which is amazing. So yes. uh, I really like the, the thinking of, you know, facilities, but yeah, it's just not quite so easy. I mean, I've got quite adept at looking behind a, a hedge, but, you know, if you're with people, it, it's, yeah, there's an element of risk there, isn't there? And it, you don't want. So, yeah, so I keep breakfast, um, yeah, I would say to a minimum uh, yeah. in terms of cups of tea or cups of coffee. I'm a coffee drink. I love a cup of coffee, but I can't do that before I go detecting because, like, I'll get down the road and eat <laughs> So yeah, so no, I eat breakfast, but I, I keep it uh, low on the on the, the drink. <laughs> low on the liquid side of things. Yeah. Had some good giggles talking about that. And um I had a she wee for a time. Um, but that can oh. be dangerous in itself with a bit of splashback. But yeah, as, as long as you've got a, a bush that you can access or a tree you yeah. can put behind and um yeah. speaking to dawn people like that, that like just turn around to the chaps and go turn around because <laughs> it's natural <laughs> no, we've just got to go you got to go you got to go the worst thing is in the middle of a really big field 
there's no trees it's the type of hedge that you can't get through and you're surrounded yeah. by people and you're like what do I do <laughs> what do I do I know I feel like my entire life is spent like living life on the edge when it you know when it comes to going to the loo because I've got a six-year-old boy and um so if we go anywhere and I you know I've got to go spend a penny I'll go to the loo and he's like I'm like, well, you'll have to come in with me because I can't just like leave him out, you know. And when no. I was a bit younger, I couldn't just leave him stood out in the like. Yeah. So he has to come in with me, and then the whole time I'm sort of, you know, <laughs> he's like opening the door, like playing with the lock, and I'm shouting, "Don't open that door!" You know, do not open that door. And it's a bit like that. I go detecting, and I'm like, oh my God, I need, I need the loo, and I've got to find yeah. the edge. But there's like you say, there's people over there. Nobody needs to see me with my, you know. Yeah. Down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It would just be nice to pee in peace, to be honest. Yeah, pee in peace. And yeah. then the guys, obviously, it's a lot easier for them, but they, they don't get shy, do they? Because their whole life, they're weeing yeah. together, basically, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The toilets in the urinals. Uh... Whereas we're like, we're so <laughs> private. <laughs> Apart from when we've gone to the club or something, and then everybody just sort of lunges into the toilets together don't they it's weird yeah. very odd <laughs> but that is a hazard for a detector so my top tip someone told me one day and it was more to do with when you get stuck in a traffic jam maybe on the motorway or something as long as you're on the left hand side what you can do if you've got a four door or five door car is you can open the passenger door and then open the rear passenger side door and yeah. then you've got your own little cubicle with the cubicle. two girls hiding you. Um, and then you can just sort of sit on the edge and go go then. And that works. And I've had to do that once. <laughs> but it worked. The things we have to do. The things as a woman that you have to think about. Right. So you're off out now. Um, what is your perfect terrain? Do you prefer ploughed, stubble, pasture? Oh, um, well, to be honest, because I only started detecting properly in April um, mm-hmm. and all my permissions, the pasture, I hadn't actually experienced, you know, cloud land until the past few weeks. Yeah. Past so, um, I can safely say I am still very much a pasture girl. I I like I like the speed and efficiency of, of sort of pasture. You know, I can dig that, you know, the clod, move that flip it open, find what yes. I'm looking for pretty quickly. Obviously, digging on ploughed land, I'm now finding, is it just comes with its own hazards, doesn't it? You're sort of digging and it's like filling in the hole as you're trying to yeah. dig. Mm-hmm. And then I realised I should probably wear glasses to go <laughs> detecting <laughs> if I'm detecting on um, on ploughed land because that's another thing. I'll be like pointing around with my pinpointer and, uh, you know, I just can't, I can't, find what it is I'm looking for if it's a, if it's a small target um it takes me ages and um yeah just can't just can't see it I don't know what it is but um so yeah I still I like pasture I'm used to pasture um I'm a happy happy pasture digger nice say. yeah and the thing plowed is as well if it's freshly plowed you can get all excited, but then if they haven't rolled it, you can just have these massive, it's like walking on Mars or something, ankle oh. type conditions. It can be yeah. can be difficult. The dream is like a, a rolled, freshly done, yeah. a deep plowed, but then rolled field. That would be perfect, but that in itself is a rarity. Um, for know. me, my farmer never does a deep plow, and with lots of flint, that's probably why. 
don't know how yeah. you just get everything grow that as well as it does um <laughs> so yeah sometimes it can be a bit dodgy but pasture yeah. is the dream i've got a couple of pasture fields yeah. and they're lovely <laughs> with your plug do you go for a three-sided plug that you flip out or four or a big hole like a round circle yeah. I, t- I tend to go for a three-sided flip it yeah um just occasionally yeah I'll I'll do a sort of a whole you know round mm-hmm. circle and, and take that out but um that's only really if I'm sort of struggling you know if you hit like stone and I mean we I don't live in an area that there's a lot of you know there's not flint and so it is quite generally quite easy to dig there's few stony permissions that I have yeah. so I'm usually able to just do the three-sided flip it and then yeah it's all neat and tidy and efficient and lovely and tidy then yeah yeah see where you've been and the grass yeah. won't die if it's in yeah. the summer I think I I'm always quite um, conscious as well that, you know, you do, you, you know if you dig in something and particularly if you're on a group dig or something and there's people around you, mm. I'm always a bit embarrassed if I make a right hash of the, the earth. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, messy. Like, sometimes I'd be like mortified if anybody came and they realised I'd dug my hole, completely, you know, misjudged my target, had to dig a little bit more and, you know, it's yeah. just it's that feeling that you know you need to be doing it right isn't it which yeah, um, yeah. It's quite, it's quite a lot of pressure so um yeah I do um I tend to try and just keep it neat if I can but obviously sometimes I get it completely wrong and, yeah you know, I'm, off, I'm off target and I've got to dig a bit more <laughs> and it all becomes a bit of a mess so yeah it can be um, a bit worrisome when people are watching sometimes the clod falls apart on you if it's been dry but then yeah. it's just you know we all do our best and get it all back in and put the grass on top um but a lot of people get cross and, and rightly so when there's group digs and some people might not care as much as you do Sophie about the quality <laughs> of putting the holes back and then that can risk the permission for the whole group so yeah it's a it's a tricky subject you can see a lot on it, Facebook it people talking about holes and <laughs> people not yeah back. yeah I had a lot of yeah. advice you know when I started out about how I'm digging the, and it, it's quite you know sometimes with the advice you get it, it's hard not to um take it personally if somebody's like well you shouldn't be doing it like that you need to do it like this you know there's lots of ways to to do it isn't there but um I've tried to take on board advice and and just you know sort of yeah do do it as best as I can really but that's the key um, do it as best you can we all have our own ways yeah we always have people that think their ways might be the best way but (laughs) do it our way and do a good job (laughs) right so um you've mentioned this before on the the main episode a bit but do you prefer solo with a buddy or group digs um i'd say with a buddy or a group dig yeah i just i love group digs um i mean i know that there's a lot of big groups out there i know a lot don't have good reputations and a lot do have good reputations but um the group i'm part of it's fairly small everybody's really friendly uh, so i love to go out with them um but i just like as i said um earlier i like to have just somebody in the field with me you know if it's just detecting with somebody else uh, a buddy that's great i just love that they sort of motivate you don't they and um can motivate each other and you can have a laugh about the the ridiculous things you find or the fact that you're not finding anything (laughs) or you know 
Um, so yeah, I do. I do go out yeah. on my own. I mean, I detect probably two to three times a week, and um, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll, I'll go out on my own somewhere. So I do go on my own, but um, mm. yeah, I've got more staying power with a buddy. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, you help like spur each other on, don't yeah. you? Especially if you're just finding lots of mood tubes or bottle tops, it's like, come on, keep going. You can make fun out of it, then, can't yeah. you? And be like, oh, I've got vintage 1970s Fanta ring pool, yeah. and then it just makes it fun, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, and what's your perfect duration of your dig on your perfect detecting day? How long do you like to dig for? So uh, as long as I've got that picnic in the car, then I'm, I'm a happy. I'm a happy digger. Like, I'm happy to be out all day. Um, mm. I think, like you say, some uh, some trains are harder than others, aren't they? I mean, the other week I was at a dig which was on deep plough land. Mm. I hadn't detected on deep plough land before. I mean, it was literally it was like an assault course. And mm. I don't have a lot of patience, as I've said. <laughs> Some <laughs> things I tend to get really annoyed with stuff. So um, if it's something like deep plough where I'm sort of stumbling all over the place or, um, you know, really like the tough double, and I get I get a bit frustrated and I get, you know, I can yeah. feel like the annoyance creeping in. I get a bit mad with it. So those days, I you know maybe manage four or five hours and I'm and I'm done. But um, mm. yeah, if it if it's good good land, you know, on pasture or um, you know if it's been ploughed and rolled and flattened and everything, then um, I can last a little bit longer. So uh, I'm happy to go. I'm happy to go all day. But um, yeah, as long as the the sort of mind game hasn't beat me. <laughs> 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 exactly. Well, it's a dream detecting day, so you'll be fine on this day. Yes. Oh, you'll be able well, to go yeah. all day. Well, I'll be there all day. I'll have you know, I'll have a little break right. halfway through the day, then I'll go back out and yeah. Um, I'm Lovely. Lovely. And um, what's a happy haul for you then? Of course, it's your dream day, so you're going to be finding all those gold status. Yeah. <laughs> but on a normal day what what are you content with what do you think okay yeah I'm happy to go home with that yeah I think um you know it's always good to find a coin or two um yeah something round yeah something round you know you always get that buzz don't you whenever whenever it's a coin you always get a buzz never goes never goes um so it's like you know a couple of people said to me there's a coin in every field so I think if I find find a coin in, in in a field then then I feel like my day has been worthwhile I am a bit yeah um you know I am a bit picky in that I like it to be of a certain age as in mm. you know if it's like I don't know 1957 or 1960 something I'm a bit <laughs> like oh you know I might need to keep going but um but yeah generally if I find a coin I'm happy um yeah and just yeah just you know I mean, if I find anything Roman, I love that. So, mm. um, yeah, but I'm I'm fairly happy digger, to be honest. I just yeah happy with whatever I find. Yeah, content with all the bits yeah, and pieces. So you've had your dream day. You found all your gold status. Yeah. You're going home. And what's your home routine? Do you collapse in a heap or do you get straight to looking at your finds, cleaning them up and seeing what you got and researching that? Well, I normally walk in and it's complete chaos because I've been out of the house and, um, (laughs) you know, family life has 
continued without me uh, and there mm-hmm. is a trail of destruction usually um, <laughs> so I usually walk in and think oh my god I've got to sort all this out um, so I usually just you know drop everything um, and get on with sort of family life but as soon as my little one's in bed then I'm straight back to cleaning my finds um you know looking at them trying to id them as i say uh, or as i said earlier i don't i don't spray off vines when i'm in the field i've got this thing yeah where, you know i'll dust it off i'll i'll brush it off if i need to and i'll get an idea of what i what i think i'm looking at um but that sort of definitive you know iding and, and cleaning i don't do till i get home it's like to prolong the the excitement and the yeah. joy of finding something really <laughs> so quite often you know I've I, I found things brought them home cleaned them off properly and it's only at that point that I've realized what I've actually found um so yeah I, I I love that part and I sort of yeah take lots of time you know doing that um but yeah I sort of have to wait for the chaos to calm down before I can get my head around it I like to do it you know when everything's sort of tidy and sorted I've got my mindset um right I like to do it and I can't be doing it with like you know a six-year-old going mommy 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 in the background (laughs) I I want to enjoy it and get into my zone again a bit like the detective really I need to be in the zone I need to have my you know yeah quiet time to clean stuff off and idea and look at it properly and yeah yeah peace and serenity yeah. almost ceremonial it sounds like you sort of light some candles <laughs> get yourself a drink a little bit yeah <laughs> always involves a glass of wine yeah <laughs> I didn't want to presume but I was thinking that's what I well, do well no I mean <laughs> yeah uh, always involves a glass of wine and I like to enjoy it and um yeah take my time clean stuff off and yeah, yeah. and then and then usually um I say idea as though I'm the one that IDs all these things, but actually most of the time, um, you know, it's the Instagram community of friends and detecting friends or uh, some of the other contacts I have and friends that I have in the detecting mm. world that usually yeah. ID things for me. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not a great, I, you know, person to ID things. I mean, if I found a hammered coin, I, I wouldn't have a clue. Ah, really? Yeah, they'd be like, oh, it's a hammer. Great. I'll take it home and now message lots of people. So, finally, and most importantly, I sense this is important, Sophie. Mm-hmm. What for digging snacks? So, what is the contents of this wonderful picnic we've been hearing about? Picnic, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's never very healthy, to be honest. Quite often, I'll make a sausage sandwich. Oh, lovely. Say <laughs> that with me. Yeah. Um, I'm also addicted to, and it's it's a bad addiction. Um, have you seen those, like the breakfast bars? I eat a lot of breakfast bars because mm. um, I'm I am actually gluten free, so I have to be a bit, you know, picnics is a bit of a challenge for me, but yeah. um, I do manage to bodge something together. But um, I'm obsessed with breakfast bars, and particularly this one is kind. They're called Kind, and they're like dark chocolate mm-hmm. and nuts and sea salt. Oh, they're amazing. <gasps> So they sell them at the garage near me. So literally most mornings en route yeah. to go detecting, I will pick up one or two of these bars to the point where I'm now actually quite embarrassed when I go to the garage. I did say to them the other day, oh, I've got a bit of addiction to these because I was like <laughs> buying them. But they're quite, yeah, I can't always find them full size in the supermarket. So that's why I buy them individually. 
the garage. Mm. So there's always one or two of those in the bag. Nice. Yeah, bag of crisps. I mean, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not a posh picnic by any means. It's just food. And, and I know if it, yeah, when you get, I get a bit, um, I need to eat. I get a bit shaky. I don't know whether I have like low blood sugar or whatever. So, you know, if I've been very physical and, you know, walking a long way and digging lots of holes, I can get a bit sort of wobbly, you know, when I feel like I need, I need to eat. So, um, yeah, it's it's never a, a posh picnic. It's just it's just fuel. Sounds great to me. <laughs> it's fuel to keep me going. Sausage but, sandwich, yeah. a bit of chocolate, and some crisps. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, usually, I usually take a flask. Um, you know, a flask of tea or something. Yeah. Coffee is never never the same in a flask, is it? I'm a no. bit of a I like I like my takeaway coffee from Starbucks or whatever. But if yeah. I make a, an instant in a flask, it will never taste good, does no. it? Um. So, yeah, but as I say, if I'm eating the picnic by sort of 10, 11 a.m., then, you know, it's, it's not, not going to be a good day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've done that many, many times. <laughs> oh, well, brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. That sounds like a dream detecting day. I don't think anyone's going to argue <laughs> with that. Um, thank you so much for sharing all about <laughs> it on the extra section. Thank you very much. And we look forward right. to hearing from you again next year. Yeah, I look forward to it. All right. Take care, Sophie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Detecting history A to Z. Right. We're on the letter E. So we will go with King Edward I. Edward I, according to Historic UK, was known by many names, including Edward Longshanks, Hammer of the Scots and English Justinian. He reigned as King of England from 1272 until his death in 1307. Edward I was born in June 1239 at the Palace of Westminster and was the son of King Henry III and Eleanor of Provence. As part of Edward's reign, he did an overhaul of the coinage system, first introduced in the groat worth fourpence. In August 1280, Edward forbade the usage of the old long cross coinage, which forced the people to switch to the newly minted versions, which were easier to detect any kind of clipping. It was during the reign of King Edward I that Scotland tried to resist this ruling power. Resistance started under the leadership of Andrew de Moray in the north and William Wallace, a.k.a. Braveheart, in the south. On September 11, 1297, a large English force was defeated by an army led by Wallace and Moray at the Battle of Stirling Bridge. Soon after this, Edward returned from Flanders and he headed north. And on the 22nd of July, 1298, Edward defeated Wallace's forces at the Battle of Falkirk. In 1298, Wallace resigned as Guardian of Scotland. Wallace managed to evade capture by the English until 1305, when John Dementi, a Scottish knight loyal to Edward, turned Wallace over to English soldiers near Glasgow. Wow, Scottish knight. Wallace was transported to London and was then taken to Westminster Hall, where he was tried for treason and atrocities against civilians in war. He responded to the treason charge, I could not be a traitor to Edward, for I was never his subject. Oof, mic drop. Edward was known to be a fierce king, and there was no change in the sentence handed to William Wallace. If you have little people around, you might want to close their ears for this bit. Um, Wallace was taken on the 23rd of August, 1305, 
from Westminster Hall to the Tower of London. He was then stripped naked and dragged through the city by a horse. He was then hanged, drawn and quartered. He was strangled by hanging, but then released while he was still alive. Emasculated, eviscerated, beheaded and then cut into four parts. Um, and then his limbs were displayed separately in Newcastle, Berwick, Stirling and Perth as a message to all those that might go against Edward. Yikes. Robert Bruce was crowned as King of Scotland in February 1306. Edward acted with brutality against Bruce's family, allies and supporters. In February 1307, Bruce was resuming his efforts against the English at the border. Edward had moved north himself to preside over the battles, and at this time he developed dysentery on the way, and his condition deteriorated, and on the 6th of July 1307, just south of the Scottish border, the king died in his servant's arms. Okay, for the second E, let's talk a little bit about Edward the Confessor. Edward the Confessor was born in 1003 and died in 1066. He was an Anglo-Saxon English king and saint. Oh, I didn't know he was a saint. Considered the last king of the House of Wessex, he ruled from 1042 until his death in 1066. So he had the 24 years as being the ruler of England. About a century after his death in 1161, Pope Alexander III canonised the king. Edward was one of England's saints until King Edward III adopted St George as a national patron saint in about 1350. St Edward's feast day is the 13th of October if you are interested and it is celebrated by both the Church of England and the Catholic Church. He then died sometime on the 9th, the 4th or 5th of January 1066 due to illness. The confessor's wooden coffin still lies in a cavity in the top part of the Purbeck marble structure within Westminster Abbey. The shrine is regarded as the centre of the abbey and five kings and four queens lie buried in his chapel. So if you go to westminster-abbey.org there's lots and lots of information about the royalty buried at Westminster Abbey and there's some beautiful pictures as well so I highly recommend you go and check it out. Right, for the last E, we have to bring a lady into the picture. So let's talk about, of course, Elizabeth I. Elizabeth I was born on the 7th of September 1533 and died on the 24th of March 1603 at the age of 70. She was the last monarch of the House of Tudor and, of course, is sometimes referred to as the Virgin Queen. Elizabeth was the only surviving daughter of King Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn. Now, much like her father, King Henry VIII, Elizabeth's reign was long and a lot happened. So I'm just going to give you some highlights and then I uh, implore you to go and do your own research because there's a heck of a lot to learn about this lady. So how did she get to reign? When her father, King Henry VIII, died in 1547, Elizabeth's younger half-brother, Edward VI, ruled until his own death in 1553. The crown was then passed to a Protestant cousin, Lady Jane Grey, um, and the claims of his two half-sisters, Mary, the Catholic Mary, and the younger Elizabeth, 
software ignored. Edward's will was set aside within weeks of his death and Mary became queen. Uh, she deposed and executed Jane, so she wasn't an issue anymore. And then during Mary I's reign, Elizabeth was imprisoned uh, for a wee while, about a year, on suspicion of supporting Protestant rebel Mary, Elizabeth's half-sister, then died in 1558. So Elizabeth then succeeded to the throne. Elizabeth reluctantly signed the death warrant for her cousin, Mary Queen of Scots, who was executed in 1587 after being implicated in plots to assassinate Elizabeth and take the English throne. Um, but Mary's son, James VI of Scotland, uh, survived, came James I of England upon Elizabeth's death in 1603. Like I say, there is a heck of a lot to learn about Elizabeth in terms of the religious settlement and how she aimed to find a middle ground between Catholic and Protestant practices in England, um, wars, the Spanish Armada. She was a big fan of fashion um, with those big ruffs that she'd wear. She was also um, a big fan of the arts and supported people like playwrights Shakespeare and Marlowe. Um, and she was very much into literature and drama. So yeah, lots to learn about Elizabeth, but there's a few of the highlights. Well, thank you for listening to this week's Midweeks Extras episode. I've been Katie McDoyle. Looking forward to speaking to you again next week. Bye.